You're listening to the Weekend Sports Buzz. Tell us your thoughts on the Oxmoor Ford Lincoln Buzz Line at 384-1450. Good morning, sports fans. Mike Andolfo here with Haven Harrington, and this is the Weekend Sports Buzz. We will be talking mainly today about college basketball, but we'll spend the first half hour kind of touching on everything else. The cards are off this week. No football game. Uh, Indiana Hoosiers actually have a, a winnable game against Minnesota, and Kentucky uh, is where I'm headed tonight and uh, for homecoming, and they definitely should be able to handle the Alabama State Hornets, you would hope, you know, even though Alabama State is like 6-1 and one or something like that. Uh, you know, Alabama State's a pretty good team. I think they're underrated because they, uh, they just beat up on their arch rival, Alabama A&M, I do believe last week in front of a raucous crowd of 69,000 fans. <laughs> they, and you know they when you look at the stats of course you got to consider that Alabama State's playing one double A or FCS or whatever competition uh you know they when you take the team stats versus the team stats Alabama State on paper looks like a formidable opponent but you know this is this is still it's still Alabama State this is a game that should be the second win for the Wildcats uh hopefully Jalen Whitlow's out there playing quarterback but the big question there is if Jalen Whitlow's not playing quarterback and he gets hurt Who's it going to be? Is Max Smith coming to the game, or are they going to take the, uh, the red shirt off of Reese Phillips, uh, the, the freshman out of Tennessee? And, uh, and then, then the further question is, why is it Reese Phillips and not Patrick Tolles? Well, you and, know, it kind of makes you wonder. Like, Patrick Tolles has disappeared completely. Like, completely. From the, completely. I mean, like, when he first came in, he was supposed to be the savior of U.K. football, the next Andre Woodson, the, the guy who's going to take you guys to the next level. And I know UK fans, I, I've talked to them like all the time, and they and this is what they wanted to see. They want to see Patrick Toes come out and sling it. But he has been beat out by everybody. By everybody. He has not I – mean, I think he's like thrown maybe like what, three four passes since he's been at Kentucky. He played a little bit last year. Uh, got you know a chance to play as a true freshman. And uh, I know the the goal is to, is to redshirt him this year if they can. But you redshirt him this year, you got Drew Barker coming in next year, Jalen Whitlow – Will probably go into the season starting quarterback if, or it will be Drew Barker, and it's like, where does this guy ever play? You know, so I, I don't know. It'll be interesting to see what happens. A lot of things going on this weekend, though. We just wrapped up a very interesting World Series, a dramatic World Series. I can't necessarily say it was an extremely well played World Series because four of the games ended because they started playing like little leaguers, but it was entertaining for sure. And they, I think baseball uh, reported that they had. Uh, their their ratings for the World Series were way up. Of course, you have two great baseball towns like St. Louis and Boston. I think that has something to do with it. Uh, did you get into the World Series at all? A little bit, a little bit. I, I did watch the last game just to see if they was going to win at Fenway Park for the first time in like 95 years. I think since 1918. Right. Since last time Boston won in Boston. Yeah, so it was, it was interesting to see the elation, you know, people just going crazy that they won a World Series again in Boston and the excitement. And, you know, that's that's pretty much about it. I mean, because the problem with me, for me with baseball, it comes just at a bad time. I mean, baseball's like right when the NFL's like really kicking up, really in full force. College football is still in full force. NBA just kicks off and, just, and is about to start around the corner. College basketball's around the corner. Here's the World Series. Yeah, and actually, and then we actually even had the NBA kick off. I mean, everything's kind of hitting all at once. It makes this a great time of year. Uh, and although I, I really like baseball, it's kind of, I guess, unfortunate that the last game of the World Series was as anticlimactic as it was. I mean, Boston was in control the entire way. And um, 
But real interesting thing about that World Series is that Major League Baseball and the NFL, and I, I know you these schedules are set way in advance. They had a Monday night where they had the World Series game in St. Louis and Monday Night Football in St. Louis going on simultaneously. I mean, that's just to me, it's crazy how they couldn't work out something to uh, offset splitting those crowds. And I don't know how many. I didn't watch the Monday Night Football game at all. I watched the World Series game. I have no idea if uh, it was very sparsely populated to say the at the Rams game. Yeah, very sparsely populated. Very interesting. Then you know, of course, St. Louis. As much as it pains me to say it, might be the best baseball town in the country. Uh, I don't know now. You know, you know I, I know a lot of Yankee fans that would take. Uh, yeah, but New York's kinda, like a great kinda, sports. Kinda a hate sports you for that town one. Fan. Sports overall pro sports town. You know, they get all behind all their pro sports teams. I mean, it could be a hockey town. It could be an NBA town. Uh, St. Louis, to me, I mean, that's their franchise. They, they identify themselves much more with the Cardinals than they do with the Rams and even the Blues. So it, it was you know, interesting to see, I guess, a, a baseball game, be it for the world championship, outperform an NFL game on Monday night. A lot of people feel like sometimes that would be different. Um, but, you know, it is what it is. We've also had uh, the Breeders' Cup going on right now, which mm-hmm. uh, was kicked off yesterday in Santa Anita. It's kind of uh, kind of funny now that it's not in Churchill. Not a whole lot of being said around here about the Breeders' Cup, which is a pretty big event. Well, I, I think locally, the, the Breeders' Cup is huge, and a lot of people haven't been talking about it. But I, I think locally, a lot of people are upset because the Breeders' Cup it seems like is going to make a permanent move to California, and it's never coming back to Churchill Downs. And I think that's rubbed, especially locally, that's rubbed a lot of people the wrong way because Churchill Downs has set record year after year for attendance for betting, you know, all the things that you think would matter and you know, in, in a sport like horse racing, they decide that California is where they'd rather be, where it can be around the superstars, the movie stars, where they can maybe try and make it like Derby-esque because it's in California, closer to big-name celebrities and things of that nature. Uh, you got a sweet deal of Santa Anita, so they're thinking, when we can move it out there, we can make our own little derby. Well, and then that's the – I know it's out in Santa Anita for two more years, and then it looks like it's probably maybe going to shift to the East Coast possibly for the next two years. But it doesn't even look like Churchill's in the rotation. And I have actually been to a Breeders' Cup at a different track. And no one can handle the crowd the way we can. First off, and we're a little spoiled here, like we think all racetracks are kind of like Churchill Downs. When you go to these other racetracks, Churchill Downs is massive compared to these other racetracks, even the big ones. And – we can, you know, obviously hold more people. We can have, you know, they can handle a crowd better. But like when I went to the Breeders' Cup in, in Florida, it, you have to get in line to bet basically as immediately after the race before is over because you're going to be in line to bet for 30 minutes. Wow. And, you know, they just can't cycle. They don't have enough windows. They just can't handle the crowd. And, and those crowds aren't as big as the ones they get Churchill. The, the knock here is, of course, you don't know what the weather's going to be like. It could be. Beautiful and sixty, or it could be frigid. And uh, but I was at the Breeders' Cup both days last year, and it was a little cold, but it was a great day of racing, and we enjoyed it. I mean, it, it was it was fantastic, and I think the people here just appreciate it a little bit more. I, I don't know. I, what is this horse racing country? I mean, this is this is it. Th- this is the mecca of horse racing. But you know, I've, I've been reading articles about this, and all the articles I've kind of read kind of all said the same thing that they're going to wind up most likely 
about 90% of people think it's going to be in California all the time. And they're doing it so they can bring the wow celebrity factor so they can up the profile of the Breeders' Cup. Now, could they up it to the point where it would ever compete with the Derby? No, probably not. Well, and I don't know if they really – I mean, it's really two totally different events. Um, I actually like the Breeders' Cup better than the Derby. Really? Yeah. Now, I love the Derby for the getting dressed up and, you know, women in their hats. And it's a great day out of the track. And, and it's very similar to the Breeders' Cup where most of the races on Derby Day, a lot of people don't realize, but Derby Day is full of stakes races. I mean, it's not just the Derby that's the only big race. There's like four or five big races on that day. But for some reason, just the – I guess it's the world championship aspect of it. I just really, really enjoy the Breeders' Cup. Um, I, I don't like the two-day format as much as I like the one-day format, but um, it's it's fun. To, uh, both days are fun. You know, we um, I will be out of track later on this month. We go. That's what we do for Thanksgiving. We head go out to the, the track. track. Yep, <laughs> done it for every. You know, so my family's been doing it since like 1965 or something like that. They've been going to the track. They got you know dining room and. It's a lot of fun. So. Well, I'm, I'm excited to see the, the new additions to Churchill Downs, to see all the things we've added. You know, once again, Churchill Downs is trying to up their game. So, you know, I'm, I'm, all, I'm always excited to see Churchill Downs up their game, taking horse racing to the next level because, uh, let's be honest, outside of the Derby, for most people around the country, does anybody really care about horse racing? Uh, I mean, probably not. I mean, maybe you know, the Breeders' Cup maybe catch maybe catch somebody's attention, but really, it's 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 the Derby. It's it's like IndyCar. It's like right. it's like kart racing. Outside of the Indianapolis 500s, anybody in America even watch kart racing or doesn't yeah, it exist? Well. You got to be yeah. like a true, definitely a true fan. I mean, there's not a lot of people that you know know the other big races in the summer, the Haskell and the Arlington Million, and uh, but you know the people around here do. For you know, there's a, there's a larger population of those people here for sure. So. Uh, all right, so we got a great show today. We're going to take two smaller breaks in the first part of the hour so that we can basically start at 9.30 with our basketball preview, and we're going to have a 9.30 to 10 segment. But we've got Coach Davenport from Bellman coming on. Wow. Getting ready to play the Cincinnati Bearcats tonight. We've got uh, a, a very strong up-and-coming assistant coach at Western Kentucky, David Boyden, is going to be on. So the assistant coach from Western Kentucky talking about their season. They're getting ready to play Campbellsville today. Campbellsville went to Oklahoma State and almost knocked them off. They only lost by 10. Really? Yeah, and Oklahoma State's top 10. I mean, that's a – Marcus Smart, LeBron Nash, that's a great team. Uh, we will be talking to Mike Hughes with Inside the Ville. We'll be talking to Jeff Rabjohns from Pigs.com and John Martin from KentuckyHeartbeat.com. Previewing the upcoming basketball season, we're taking – since this is a little bit of a light football weekend locally, we're going to take the advantage, and we know basketball. Everybody's playing for real in the next week, and uh, we just want to – Get out there and preview basketball. We got one more short segment after the break to talk uh, whatever you want to talk about. Call in Oxmoor 4, Lincoln Buzz Line, 384-1450. Mike and Haven here on the Weekend Sports Buzz. We'll be right back. You're listening to the Weekend Sports Buzz. Tell us your thoughts on the Oxmoor Fort Lincoln Buzz Line at 384-1450. Welcome back to the Weekend Sports Buzz. Mike Doffel here with Haven Harrington. The Oxmoor Fort Lincoln Buzz Line, 384-1450. Uh, this segment's probably your best segment to call in if you want to call in because we're going to be packed full of guests um, after this break. 
And, uh, you know, we were talking a little bit about the football seasons coming in. And, you know, Kentucky does play Alabama State today, which could be the last win they get for the season. I mean, it looked like they were going to be able to beat – Look, they looked like Missouri at the beginning of the season could have been a game that they could have looked at for a win. Beat possibly. Them. And now – That's I mean, gone. It's pretty, Missouri's playing at a whole other level that was even expected. They got Georgia at Georgia, who's beat up, but it's still it's at Georgia. And Kentucky's won at Georgia before, but it's still it's probably improbable. Then you have Vanderbilt at Vanderbilt. Actually, Vanderbilt at Vanderbilt might be before Georgia. Correct. Yeah, November 16th at Vanderbilt. But if that game was at Commonwealth, I'd feel a whole lot better about it than being at Vanderbilt, even though Vanderbilt's not a huge home field advantage. And there will be a lot of Kentucky fans in the stands for a Vanderbilt game. And then probably your next best chance for a win is Tennessee at home. November 30th. But Tennessee's playing pretty well right now. and Ten- they, they are playing better. You know, I've watched this Kentucky team, and during like the first half, when they have the, the schemes in place, uh, the players are still fresh, Kentucky plays very, very well. They, they can play almost anybody even the first quarter. And that's my thing. I think like it, what you said, the, especially the depth. When the depth doesn't show its face in the second half, like when it's our fresh number ones or someone else's fresh number ones, they're, they're looking pretty competitive. Which to me is a huge sign for the future because this isn't the two and ten season last year. There's a huge di- or two, yeah, two and ten, yeah, huge difference between two and ten this year and two and ten last year, just basically on how competitive they've been with the teams they've played. I mean, Stoops has them going the right direction. You can tell there's talent there. I mean, a lot of guys he brought in, there is a lot of talent. You know, you have uh, Javis Blue, who's a, a great wide receiver. Timmons, another good wide receiver. Uh, Hatcher, that you know, from from uh, from right down the road here in Louisville, is 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 a, a beast. I mean, you could tell he's he's a star in the making. They have pieces of the talent, but there. they're true freshmen. Yeah, well, Javis is the Junior college guy. Junior college, yeah. yeah. But, you know, the talent is there. You see the recruiting class, and you get, talent is definitely on its way. It's just that, one, they're going to be young again next year. They're going to be really, really young again next year. Uh, two, the question is still going to be quarterback. I mean, is, is Whitlow, is, is he the trigger guy, number one? Number two, can he stay healthy a full season? Because that's, uh, that's Kentucky's other problem is staying healthy. Their quarterbacks have not stayed healthy. An entire season. And, you know, can he stay healthy? Can Whitlow progress as much as a quarterback that you need that can get the ball out to the talented wide receivers? Um, you know, running back, you're doing pretty good. Wide receiver, you got a lot of talent. Defensive line next year maybe kind of maybe kind of thin again. Yeah, because Mr. Cobble and Dante Ruff will be gone. But, you know, you do have guys like Jason Hatcher. And if they pull the Matt Elam kid from John Harden, which I think they've got a good chance of grabbing him. I mean, there's, there's definitely, uh, there's definitely signs for hope. Where you know next year I think it's still going to be kind of a struggle for them to be bowl eligible. But two years from now, when all those young guys are starting to be, you know, juniors and sophomores, um, and that's the difference. It's going to take those guys to be juniors and sophomores. But I, I think right now, honestly, Kentucky still may be another two to three years away. I totally agree. From uh, you know, I, I, this is going to be a four-year job, and you're going to have to give Stoops at least four years. I mean, at the third year, it's still be a young team, and it's kind of like when Charlie Strong first got to Louisville. 
I mean, when he got to Louisville, he he had a, an all senior laden team, and then he brought in his own guys, and then like for the next two years, they were all freshmen. And now in his fourth year, all the guys he brought in are now juniors and sophomores, and a, with a couple of seniors sprinkled in, and you can see the difference. Well, and that's where you're talking. What we're talking about now. Now you got a two win Kentucky team that's full of optimism and hope, and a one loss Louisville team that's. Disappointed, discouraged. Yes, very much so. Disappointed, discouraged. That that one loss to UCF changed the whole trajectory of the season because this season for a lot of U of L fans, myself included, was BCS bowler bust because you know this is the most talented team probably ever at U of L, and that's saying a lot because the 2006 Orange Bowl team was re- a really, really talented team, and this team, top to bottom, I would say has more talent. And it's going to have more NFL draft picks on it. And to lose, it's not the fact that they lost UCF. I think if it was a close competitive game, it would be different. But it's the fact that you're up 28-7 to and then you go on cruise control. UCF starts to make the comeback and you, you can't get momentum back and you wind up losing. And now, you know, you may be out of a BCS bowl game. The only way Louisville can make a BCS bowl game now is that you have to hope for a three-way tie, which means we beat Houston then Houston beats UCF, and everybody has one loss in the conference, and everybody has one loss in the conference, and the highest, you know, BCS uh, team wins out, right? Which would be Louisville. Um, or you have to hope that UCF loses twice, and the way UCF has been playing, and with the competition they have left, and they got most of their tough games are at home. Yeah, most of the tough games. Houston's at home after bye week, so they play Houston next week, but they have a bye week for Houston, just like they did for Louisville. They had a bye week, so two toughest games that have a week to prepare. Uh, and heal up and get rested. And then the other toughest team, maybe SMU, possibly Rutgers. Well, SMU's pretty pretty bad, aren't they? I mean, Yeah, they are. That's what I'm saying. And the, the way the schedule plays out, all the tough games were, in the begin, were, in the, were front-loaded. Now so, this comes the easier part of the schedule, and it just it just doesn't look good. I'm not saying it can't happen, but for U of L fans, you know, it doesn't it doesn't look good. No, it doesn't look good at all. But then, you know, we talked a little bit about this last week. So they go to that Russell Athletics Bowl, which unfortunately is the same day as the UK UofL uh, basketball game. But you're going to be playing the number three team out of the ACC, the conference that you're going into. And you're looking at Virginia Tech, Miami. It's going to be a pretty good precursor to what it's going to be like next year going into the ACC. It's, I really kind of think that it's a, it's a very interesting dynamic and it, it's, it's got the makings, even though it's not a big, sexy name bowl game, of being a, one of the better bowl games out there. I mean, it will be one of the better bowl games out there. I'm not sure, you know, with it being, you know, the, the same day as UK, L game, where you could possibly have the number one, number two team in the nation uh, playing each other. You know, it's, it's going to be kind of hard to, uh, to, to watch them both. Um, I don't know, but just – it's just it leaves a bad taste in your mouth because you know what could have been. What could have been exactly yeah, right because you know like you had the Rutgers a couple years ago. Yeah, because you know you had the most talented team in in the American Athletic Conference, and it's not even close. You know you're more talented than UCF for three and a half quarters. You beat them like a like a redhead stepchild. And then, I watch redhead. You gotta watch it there. Uh, how about Rennie Mule? <laughs> <laughs> you beat like a Rennie Mule. You know, and then and then you go to lose. He just that just leaves a bad taste in your mouth. You know, you just you want to finish. Yeah, and uh, it, unfortunately, it didn't happen. So now Houston holds Louisville's 
chances in their hands, and they got to hope that the Houston Cougars can beat UCF in a very improbable situation, like you said, UCF coming off a of bye week and playing them at home. So, and then Loyal's got to still turn around and beat Houston. So, uh, it should be interesting finish, but more than likely, it looks like Louisville is probably going to be headed to that Russell Athletic Bowl, barring another loss. Which I don't, you know, I think I, they'll handle Houston. I, yeah, yeah, I mean, like I said, there's not another team on the schedule technically should be able to hang with Louisville. That's right, easy. All right, well, we're going to take our second break of the hour, and uh, we're going to be right back on the other side. Coach Scotty Davenport joined us of the Bellman Knights, getting ready to play the Cincinnati Bearcats tonight, and preseason ranked number four Bellman uh, looks possibly for another national title. We will be right back on the Weekend Sports Buzz. You're listening to the Weekend Sports Buzz. Tell us your thoughts on the Oxmoor Fort Lincoln Buzz Line at 384-1450. I love Beast of Guns and Roses coming in strong. Nice pick there, Matt. Welcome back to the Weekend Sports Buzz. Uh, if you can't listen to us on the radio, download our app and listen to the Sports Buzz in crystal clear digital quality. Search 1450 The Sports Buzz in the iTunes App Store or Android Market, powered by InsureMax. Call Chad or Alan Hennessy at 479-4085 for all of your home, auto, and life needs. This is Mike Gandolfo. Again, joined with Haven Harrington. We are trying to get Coach Scott Davenport on the phone. He is finishing up his walkthrough, though, right now uh, in Cincinnati. They take on the Bearcats. You ever been to a Bellman basketball game? Yeah, actually, yes, I have. Yeah, I've been to several Bellman basketball games. All right, I used to know a couple of guys who used to play for the, the Great Knights. Yeah, back in the day or recently? Oh, back in the day. Yeah, way back in the day. Back in the day when nobody really watched Bellman basketball. Okay, I wonder if that's when I was there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we had some uh, when I was there. Coach uh, Valvano was was the head coach, and uh, and we had just some great characters on that team, and uh, we had a guy named Herb Gaines, and the. Uh, Herb was uh, not didn't really play high school basketball at Eastern, but an incredible athlete, and he is kind of a playground legend around here. He won the street ball showdown dunk contest time and time again. So much so that when he committed to Bellman, the NCAA made him pay back all of that prize. You know, you don't get a whole lot for winning that slam dunk contest, but he had to pay pay it oh, all good. back. He had to pay it back. He had to pay it back. That's- Five foot nine had a fifty. Two-inch vertical. Wow. Yes, and he was uh, pretty impressive. And uh, a good friend of mine, he was just uh, – it was a lot of fun to watch him. And he, and he really – this guy who came in with a lot of athletic ability but not a lot of natural basketball skills. But, man, he worked at it. And by the time he was a senior, he was a good ball player. I mean, it was uh, pretty exciting times at, at Knights Hall. But everybody knew when Herb came in the game, everybody in the conference knew that within three possessions, Coach Valvano was going to throw him a lob play. Someone else would get dunked on. Yeah, well – well, by the end of the year, it almost got dangerous because everybody knew it was coming, so they like undercut him and and stuff like that, and it was uh, you know putting him in him in a tough spot. But the Bellman Knights are preseason ranked number four in the country, uh, according to the uh, the poll. You know they're picked to win the GLVC. I mean, they're, well, they're the top ranked GLVC team. This GLVC league though is a little bit going to have a little bit different look. No Kentucky Wesleyan in the GLVC anymore. And uh, that's kind of unfortunate because that's, you know, obviously a big rival for Bellman. And now Bellman's the only uh, school in Kentucky that's in the GLVC. Uh, so Northern Kentucky went Division One a couple years ago, and now Wesleyan's in a different conference. So there's no in-state rival anymore for the Knights, but still Knights Hall's going to be 
just really packed and live and ready. It's to gonna go. be rocking. You know, it's good to see Bellerman, you know, take that step up. You know, you could tell when they, when they got Bob Valvano that they were made a concerted effort that we are going to be good in basketball. And it's nice to see an athletic department, you know, try to try to step their game up and do what it's going to take to get to that next level. Because you know, a lot of times when you're a Bellerman or Spalding or you know one of those smaller universities where you're surrounded by you know the behemoths of U of L, UK, or whatever it is in, in your city or state. The situation may be a lot of times it's kind of like you know we really can't compete for airtime, TV time, and sponsorship and things of that nature. So we're just going to be us, just play our games. To hopefully, the students will come out, and that's it. But it's good to see you know the administration, athletic departments, like no, you know we're going to compete at the highest level. Well, and I strongly encourage anybody to go out there and and go watch the nights because if you are a true basketball fan, where you like the fundamental game of basketball. And they do still play a little bit above the rim. It's not like you're going to miss out on all the athleticism. But as far as shooting and passing and how hard those kids play, I mean, it is a very enjoyable experience. And uh, we're lucky enough to be Bellman season ticket holders, and we're right on the floor. And those guys, I mean, they just they get after it. And then the Knights actually had a very big pickup this week. They're getting a six foot nine transfer from Purdue, New Albany native Donnie Hale, coming back to be closer to his family. He's going to be eligible for the second semester, and that's just taking one of the best teams in Division II basketball and making them better, giving them a major Division One transfer. I mean, this is a kid that played 14 minutes a game at Purdue as a freshman, and uh, it's going to be very impressive for the Knights to, uh, you know, to get that kind of a player. They've got a great guard in Vance Hall. Man, they're stacking the deck. Yeah, and they did lose one of the probably the best players to ever play. Uh, for the Knights uh, last year, uh, the Eastern, the kid from Eastern, and I'm totally blanking on his name right now. Uh, but they uh, they just reload. He's reloading them right now, and they're they're going to be top of the game. So we are having trouble getting Coach Sean. His uh, I think his walkthrough might have ran a little bit over, uh, but that's okay. We'll go we'll go on. We get in about five minutes or so. We've got the uh, we have Jeff Rabjohns coming on, I believe, from Peaks. And uh, we'll just move on to Indiana if we have to. There we go. There we so, go. But, you know, the, the great thing is, you know, you got a great coach in Sky Davenport. He's a great X and O coach. Um, yes. He knows how to drop a good game plan. He makes great in-game adjustments. And, you know, Bellman plays an exciting brand of basketball. And I, I love I'm, Like I said, I've been to several Bellman games. Yeah. And, and I, I love them all. It's a great – it should be a great season for the Knights, and I definitely encourage people to go out there. They got a – uh, a, a freshman from – they have a couple freshmen coming in this year, but namely they got a, another big kid from Australia who should be a really uh, impact player right away. But they got, uh, you know, the Troutman kid from Bull East who's – a lot of people thought was better than Derek Willis. Really? And, uh, you know, this kid can flat-out shoot it, and it that's the it's the perfect offense for him. Uh, he's been a little banged up early on, so hopefully he gets back out there. But he's going to – He's going to step in at Bellman and put up a lot of points and uh, has a chance to just light it up from the outside. They pass the ball so well. Um, and a couple of years, you know, Bellman had the top field goal percentage in all of basketball. So, um, you know, we'll see if that. Uh, Scott, Scott A. Davenport, he is the perfect coach for that situation. The perfect. I mean, he is he's a great, great coach. So we will, uh, you know, sorry we missed Coach Davenport, but we'll move on to Jeff Rabjohns here in a little bit. And we'll talk some IU basketball. Of course, IU steals one from Calipari this week. 
And not only one from Calipari, but it steals a guy whose dad played at Kentucky, looked like he was going to go. And the kid did something that no one else did. James Blackman Jr., who was committed to Indiana, you know, I think at a, as a sophomore in high school. Committed way too early. Way too early, just like Quentin Snyder did. But you know, normally when these kids decide to decommit and open up their recruitment, that school's way out of the picture. You know what, though? Credit to James Blackman to not eliminate Indiana, but just to really explore his options. Credit to Tom Crean to go back after the kid, to go you know try to track him down. But, I mean, everybody up until the 11th hour was thinking that James Blackman Jr. was going to play for the Cats, just like his dad. And uh, that was, by the way, like right when his dad played for UK, it was really when I first started watching the Cats. You know, watching James Blackman and Kenny Walker and Ed Davender and Dirk Minifield and all those guys. And that those were the games, the UK teams that I really first remember. But, you know, Cal doesn't land this one, but he does land a pretty good one in Devin Booker. Well, you know, the, you know, the thing is, is like with, with Calipari, you know, you can't get them all because a lot, of, a lot of these kids nowadays want playing time. And now you know Cal, is, 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 he's going to roll the ball out there. He's going to have a nice rotation. But, you know, when, when you're used to being a big man on campus, it's hard to go to a team loaded with the biggest of the big men on campus, number one. Number two, I, th- I think it's smart for kids to go out there, and even though you do commit, to still look around. Because, one, that's free trips. Right, that's free food. The experience is unbelievable. Yeah, turn that down. Yeah, because right. they're going to fly you out. And have you come down for all the best games? Wine and dine you. And now, you know, they open it up. They put you in a hotel. Yeah. They don't want the kids staying in the dorms anymore because of, uh, I guess, incidents that were occurring. But <laughs> I don't know. But, uh, you know, it, 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 you should take your visits and figure out if that's the right spot yeah, for you. Take them all. I, I would take all five regardless. I don't care if I committed the first day. I'm still taking all five of my official visits because, like I said, like if, you, if you're a football player and if Alabama wants to bring you down, you know that – they're going to bring you down for like the Iron Bowl. Right. You know, Florida State's going to try and get you for Florida State-Miami that's, that's happening tonight. You know, you want to see all the big games. Cal's going to pull you in for Big Blue Madness or yeah. for that alumni game. and Big Blue Madness is going to bring you into the UVL UK. Or, I mean, how, how, why are you going to say no to that when you get to see the, the best of the best? A lot of people thought, too, that, uh, you know, the, those, the, the, the Indy Speaks team, which included James Blackman Jr., Jaquan Lyle, Trey Lyle, and Trevon Blewett, all four big-time recruits were all going to play together. Interestingly enough, all the, three of those guys have decommitted from their original school and then recommitted You know, with Blackman only the only one going back to the school. But Trevon Blewett, just recently as yesterday, was all set to go to UCLA. UCLA actually hired his high school coach as an assistant out there. But Blewett commits to UCLA – decommits, and now it looks like he's headed to Xavier. So uh, that's a big get for the Xavier. A, a very intelligent, small forward who is one of these guys that's not real, real flashy, but you look up and he's got a double-double in the box score and he gets the, gets the work done. Just a real smart player. Uh, that's a huge get for Xavier. And a, the and four-star. A, and, a, and a better get for his high school coach. Yeah. Who well, goes to making about $2,500 well, a year. <laughs> and to be fair, Coach Schilling, who was at Park Tudor, and, and Steve Alford were good friends, and uh, it, there was more there to it. But UCLA still grabs a big-time power forward and five-star Kevin Looney this week. And, um, of course, Devin Booker going to Kentucky. That's huge. Indiana, though, also grabs another kid that I'm really not as familiar with, 
uh, Max Hotzel. So I'm really, you know, want to talk to Jeff here and a little bit talk a little about Max, a power forward, three star out of Massachusetts, went to school with Good Luck Okanoba. So they were huge on Good Luck, and I'm sure in the process of of looking after Good Luck, Good Luck commits to UNLV. They go ahead and they pick up uh, the, another power forward off that team, uh, which is uh, it's a one of those prep schools you know that's just loaded with Division One talent. So, well, we're trying to get Jeff Rabjohns on the phone right now, and then we'll talk a little IU basketball coming up. But uh, and then the other big recruiting gets this week, Florida getting lands a four star power forward in Devin Robinson, which is a huge get for them as well. They they're just getting more and more talented. I mean, it's they're going to be really good this year. First off, Florida's Florida's is stacked. So well, you know it. The SEC usually comes down as two teams anyway, right? Florida, Kentucky, and then you kind of wonder: Does anybody else really play basketball? Yep. <laughs> well, this year you'll see, I think, a, a much improved from Tennessee. Uh, LSU is going to be not not a whole lot of people are talking about LSU right now. LSU is really, really talented, so it's going to be interesting to see if they can take the take the jump from being really good recruiting, getting all these good t- top name players, and you know pulling into results in the court. They got three McDonald's All Americans. Yeah, team. you know it's, it's it's going to be so hard though when you have like the two behemoths of the conference. Yeah, you know who just, I mean, yes, you have good talent, but then you know that up in a bluegrass state, you have uber talent. You know, like talent on the next level, and then you know you already know what 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 can happen with Billy Donovan in Florida. You know when he has talent. So, you know, even though you have talent, it's just. You know, it's almost like you're playing for third at this point. It's like, you know, if, if we get lucky, maybe they knock off one or two, but that's not going to happen. They're, they're playing for third. The AP Top 25 actually came out this week. Uh, Kentucky as number one. And then we had Michigan State number two, Louisville number three, mm-hmm. Duke number four. And, uh, you know, I really feel like the top five teams in college basketball this year with Kentucky, Michigan State, in Louisville, Duke, and Kansas – are really kind of all heads and tails above everyone else. So um, Kansas, Kansas is going to be you know a lot like Kentucky with a lot of unknowns, a lot of guys who haven't played college basketball yet. But those guys are are loaded down there as well. Um, you know, I'm really excited about this basketball season. Now, well, what I really want to see, especially in the first couple of games of the season, are how the rule changes, how that's going to affect the game, how that's going to um, kind of is going to speed up the game. It's going to make the offensive game a little more fluid. You know, how are teams adjust defensively? You know, because coming to the season, a lot of people thought that the new rule changes were going to hurt, you know, Louisville a lot because Louisville plays a very physical style of of defense, you know, being in the Big East, which is a very physical conference. But that's, I think, also had to do with, A, you had a guy like Gorgie Shank underneath the basket to – if you can get someone a little bit off balance and take an off balance shot, he's going to swat it away. You had a little bit of a a very good athlete, but a less athletic Peyton Siva, you know, where his quickness wasn't his strong suit. But now you don't have that shot blocker, and you do have a ton of athletic ability and quickness on the perimeter. You know, they they picked up big time. I don't see it being as big of a deal for Louisville because I think Rick Pitino doesn't want to play that style. I think he had to play that style to win. But in Big East, he had no choice because every team in the Big East was physical. It was right. a very physical style league, and you had, you know, you had to be physical. That's that's why you know with me, I used to get mad like at Earl Clark and 
other guys because they would get just pushed around. Like guys like DeWan Blair used to play for Pittsburgh were just man. I mean, guys like 6'4", 6'5". It was like Charles Barkley. It was like manhandle everybody we had in the middle. And you just couldn't stop them because it was just a physical style. But now since... But now since those uh you know those rules are you know are changing that you can't be as physical, no more hand checking because you know we all know that last year Louisville well, I, I'll be first person as a U of L fan. They were junking it up. We love the hand check. Yeah. We with some hand checking fools out there. And a good forearm shifts might come into the lane, you know, to slow to slow them down. It wasn't be it was a very I would just say it was a very NBA esque kind of physical style of game. But now, as you saw the exhibition game, the Louisville play against Kentucky Wesleyan. <laughs> Wesleyan was in the bonus in the, before the media. Yeah, it, it was first. It was a very painful game to watch. It took like two and a half hours, didn't yeah, it? Yeah, <laughs> it was a very painful game to watch because every five seconds there's blown a whistle. And I feel sorry for Kentucky Wesleyan. We don't have to practice like, for two weeks. Yeah, and that's, you know, and that's and the thing. Like, that, Happy, that's not fair. Happy's used to having a team that he can basically start practicing as soon as they step on campus. Yeah. Uh, they Yeah, they, haven't, they didn't have a whole lot of practice, but – and there's now there's Russ Smith and you know other quick guards now in the nation, they're going to be pretty much unguardable. Terry Rozier, I mean, yeah. I mean, so it, it goes both ways. So you know, yes, Louisville's going to have to make some adjustments on defense. I don't see them playing as much zone as they did in the past. I mean, you don't have the zone where you can shuffle, where you can kind of funnel people into that shot blocker. I like to. See, I think they're going to play more man to man they have in the past. I think they'll start off playing zone to get adjusted, but they're going to become more of a man to man team at the end of the year. But if you can't hand check Russ Smith, if you can't hand check Terry Rozier, and you can't hand check uh, Chris Jones, those guys are going to be getting to the basket. Yeah, and especially Russ Smith, because we know Russ will take you know for him a fast break is one on four. Yeah, with, with him being a one. Right. So it's going to be like it, it'll go both ways for the Cardinals. Um, you didn't see it as much affecting Kentucky. But those guys aren't really playing defense right now. So <laughs> yeah. I'm not. I mean. It, you know, I they're they're going to get there. I'm not worried about it. They did not look great against Transy last night. Um, they did look pretty impressive in their big in their blue white scrimmage. Well, that's a scrimmage. It's a scrimmage, and just like these are exhibition games. And I don't think Cal would ever really embarrass. Just like just like Rick would never really embarrass Scotty. I don't think Cal would ever really embarrass Transy. You know, being the other. Uh, I, I don't think you know. I don't, I don't think he will either. But they still got to play better than what they did. Yeah, but the, the problem with Kentucky's having this is they, when you're number one team in the nation, you have to the people want to see you the number one team in the nation. You know, I want you to, to prove that you're the number one team in the nation. If we gave you this number one, we bestowed on you rather the the number one status. So we expect you to play like the number one status, even though your number one status is based off of your incoming recruiting class. And I think with I think with this class, it's, it's going to take them, you know, maybe a couple of weeks, maybe a month to finally to kind of get in sync and learn how to play as a team. And they do have that, you know, just bona fide superstar right now with Julius Randle, who puts up a double double against Transy, sixteen points, twelve rebounds. He's six for nine from the field. The guy is an absolute beast. He can take it inside. He's he's pretty much going to be unguardable, I think, this year in college basketball because of the new defensive rules. You can't – if you're going to put a smaller guy out there to handle Randall's quickness, he's going to just bully him into the lane and score at will. And if you put a bigger, you know, slower guy on him, it's 
he'll take him outside and just abuse him. I just this is Julius Randle to me is something I think we've not seen in I, college basketball. I, I, I think Julius Randle may be the best player in college basketball. Man, it's going to be interesting to see because there's a lot of reports out of Kansas that Wiggins is like the third best player on his team right now. So we'll have to see. You know, is Kansas that good, or is Wiggins just not really, you know, making the adjustment that he's supposed to be making? Well, so. that's, that's a big adjustment from, uh, you know, from high school. I mean, now even all these kids play against each other on on the AAU circuit, so they're kind of familiar with the, with each other anyway. But there's still a big difference between playing AAU ball and then college basketball. There's, right. there's still a, a big difference when you step your game up and take it to the next level. And like I said, it's going to take you know kids a while. To kind of get in the flow. That's why if you see Kentucky a couple of times this year, they don't look like world beaters like you expect them to be. You know, they're still learning, one, to play together as a team because basketball is a team sport. I mean, every now and then you can have like one or two guys that can, that can dominate and take over and take it to the next level, i.e. Carmelo Anthony at Syracuse. Right. When he took him to the championship, that's pretty much Carmelo putting a team on his back. It's like, let's do this. Or Kenya Martin was at Cincinnati. Uh, yeah. Until he got hurt. Since that's won the national championship, they were the really easy number one team in the country. Yeah, that was, that was a done deal until, until K. Mark got hurt. That I was I was a done deal, but they were going to win the national championship. Then he blew out his knee. Then the championship hopes went with it. Right, uh, but but that was like rare exceptions that one player can dominate at that level. And I think at UK it may take a couple of games for them kind of get in sync, learn each other's habits. You know, learn like when this guy's going to be open and what his favorite moves are, what he likes to do, what he doesn't like to do. That kind of takes time, number one. And when you start to get into the tournament, you know, once again, that, that lack of senior leadership or that lack of guys that have been there before that play significant minutes, I think may, may hurt Kentucky when, it, when the tournament time comes up. But they're so talented. They're so much more talented than everyone else. They, I are, mean, they are more talented, but experience it's comes so into play. Huge. Yeah, it's that's huge. where. That's where this Michigan State game really in the season is really going to be the true test of if Kentucky comes out and beats a very experienced and very good Michigan State team, which I don't expect them to do. I think that is their one hiccup in the kind of similar to the 96 team when they lost to UMass early, Mm -hmm. but then came back and beat them in the Final Four. I see something very similar. You know, this team is probably not ready to handle a tough defensive-minded team like Michigan State. And they're probably going to learn a couple lessons in that game. And I don't expect them to win that game. But if they do win that game, if they're able to beat a team like Michigan State who's so much more experienced in what's going to be a very March-like atmosphere on a neutral floor playing after Duke and Kansas and on ESPN, I mean, this is that's like, that's like whoa. I mean, just – Or would a loss probably serve Kentucky's – Future prospects better. Well, yeah, because if if they win that game, Cal Perry holding their attention is gone against you know Belmont in mid December. It's going to be tough, but you know I don't know if I have you know I, I it's a journey. You know it really doesn't matter what your record is as long as you make the tournament. You got a good seed, and you can and you can get your path to the national title. Because as we saw with John Wall, the John Wall team, you can have a great. Great regular season, and then you have that one bad game against West Virginia. And it's all down the tubes. Well, it, wasn't so. So, it wasn't so much a bad game. I thought that West Virginia game pretty much got out coached. I don't disagree with that. Yeah, really. Huggins, I think, took uh, Calipari to a woodshed and uh, kind of let him have it. So, the one guy also that I like to say that's been kind of a surprise for Kentucky this so far this uh, this preseason, Derek Willis. 
And, I, and I'm loving it because, you know, when Derek Willis commits to Kentucky and doesn't have a great senior year in high school, he got physic- or mentally and emotionally beat up by Kentucky fans saying he's not good enough to play there and they shouldn't be giving him a scholarship. You know, you got to trust that Cal Perry knows what he's doing on his recruiting trail a little bit. The guy is seven for nine from three-point range in the blue-white scrimmage and the transit game combined. He put up 21 points in the uh, in the blue-white scrimmage to lead his team in scoring, and he was the tied for second leading scorer overall for the entire thing. He had as many points as Julius Randle did, and that's a lot of the times of him being guarded by Julius Randle, which makes that even more impressive. I just think Derek Willis is showing that he's going to have a role on this team, and uh, if not make a huge impact this year, next year's recruiting class for Kentucky could be a little down and you could see him having to step in as a sophomore and playing a huge role and uh and uh, as a shooter. I just I'm really happy for Derek to see him go out there and play the way he's been playing. Well the one thing I've been impressed about Kentucky is has been their three point shooting ability. Oh, they're killing I it. mean, if you have a team if they can consistently shoot like they're shooting now from three point range, this is gonna be scary, good, hard to defend maybe impossible to defend UK team if they can light it up from three on a consistent basis. Yeah, because you know you've got guys who can knock it down from three-pointer, multiple guys. I mean, they started off last night with three different guys hitting a three-pointer to start the game. And then you know you've got guys like Alex Poitras, Willie Cauley-Stein, uh, Marcus Lee, uh, 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 blanking on the big kids, Dakari down low. You know, all those guys that can play Julius Randle all those guys that can play right around the basket, it's really scary to think that, hey, if these guys are hitting threes and you've got to come out and guard them, then they're just going to kill you. Now, the, the kid I really want to see this year for Kentucky, and, and I know it's weird, but the team I really want to see for Kentucky play is Poitras. Yep. That's who I'm, I'm most Not interested. Not looking very good. That's who I'm interested to see because the, the knock on him last year was like he, he's, a, he's a great athlete, uh, he's, he's a good player, but he doesn't like to be the man. Well, he, he a, does like to be the man. I, so now that he doesn't have to be the man, is he going to disappear? No. Will he actually be the player that we expect him to be? Because I think he's going to disappear. He doesn't have to be the man, but could he, but could he also, like you said, could he also get buried? Yeah. By the about amount of talent. So in the two exhibition games we've seen so far, Kentucky is uh, looking like they are twenty-two for forty-eight from three-point range so far. That's pretty freaking good. We're going to take a break. On the other side, we're going to hopefully actually have a guest. Uh, David Boyden, the assistant coach of Western Kentucky, should be joining us. So we will be right back on the Weekend Sports Bus. listening to the Weekend Sports Buzz. Tell us your thoughts on the Oxmoor Ford Lincoln Buzz Line at 384-1450. All right, welcome back to the Weekend Sports Buzz. We're talking college basketball here. Mike Indapo, Haven Harrington. Haven, during the whole basketball season, we will be the home of Western Kentucky Hilltopper basketball. The greatness that is. Yeah, Western you know, Kentucky. A lot of people don't understand. They got an unbelievable trend, tradition down there. I mean, uh, it's not just UK and U of L as far as great basketball program, programs in this state. 
Western's one of the all-time winningest basketball programs in the country, and they're top twenty. And uh, it's they they had a great season last year, and they're looking to have a great season this year. We're joined right now by one of their assistant coaches and a guy who I consider a personal friend, but also who I think is going to be one of the next great head coaches in college basketball. David Boyden's on the phone. David, how you doing? I'm good, Mike. How you doing, man? Coach, we're doing good. We're doing good. So we had a uh, we had media day come out for the Sun Belt, and you guys were picked to win the conference. But it's no means is it you know just you all. Look, four teams were play, uh, four teams received first place votes. It's going to be a pretty competitive year in the Sun Belt this year, isn't it? Oh no, the, the league's going to be as, as good as it's been uh, you know in the last four or five years. Uh, you know, South Alabama's got the Player of the Year back, and he's a a low down low in the Augustine Rubit. Um, Georgia State's coming into our league. Uh, obviously, Kentucky transfer Ryan Harrow uh, is going to be uh, their, their starting point guard uh, on a talented team. Um, uh, but we're looking forward to you know the new challenges, and uh, you know we're 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 ready to finally uh, start playing against somebody else. Now you guys got your own contenders for Player of the Year in the conference. Two guys that I definitely think should be considered. Uh, you know, TJ being the probably the best chance that you all have for conference Player of the Year. TJ Price, a junior guard, uh, spent a lot of time last year injured. A healthy TJ Price has got to be in the running for conference player of the year. No, uh, I mean, TJ Price is, uh, you know, he's had a tremendous summer, uh, has changed his body, you know, has taken, uh, you know, his, his diet, uh, you know, how, how what he's eating, uh, he's taken that a, little, a lot more serious. He's, he's in the best shape of his life, uh, which is going to allow him uh, to, you know, play some extended minutes. Uh, and he's, he's, he's also dedicated himself in the, in the gym in the summertime, uh, where he's turned the corner, um, just with his, uh, with his overall game. He's getting to the basket better than he ever has, uh, finishing against contact better than he ever has. You know, he's always, uh, you know, had a, a natural ability to shoot it. Um, but he's a guy that we're going to rely on, uh, you know, a lot, uh, you know, to, to score on the perimeter. Um, and, and with that being said, that the guy that's going to take a lot of pressure off of him, uh, you know, on the inside is George Fant. You know him being a banger, being a big old wild body. You know a guy in crunch time we can throw it down to, and, and he can he can get his own offense. So you know those two guys, uh, you know, kind of being a two headed monster for our team. Um, you know we're looking forward to having you know big junior seasons. You know we got two guys uh, in TJ and George that have both been conference tournament MVP. Uh, one as a freshman, one as a sophomore. So um, you know those those two guys are you know the cornerstone of our program. Uh, as good as they are as players, they're even better kids, um, you know, off the court and in the classroom. Uh, you know, those guys are always working. Uh, people love them in Bowling Green, uh, you know, absolutely love them. And uh, like I said, uh, you know, I'm excited for their, their next two years here on the Hill. How has the, uh, you know, you all had the great postseason run in the Sunbelt Conference Tournament, won the conference tournament. We're a 16 seed in the NCAA Tournament. And you and I were discussing this. I don't know if it's ever happened where a 16 seed has come from a conference where there's been two bids, where a conference yeah. has received multiple bids. That's right. And you all had to play Kansas. And if you just shoot normal, what you normally shoot percentage-wise in the second half, you beat Kansas. So how has that game against Kansas inspired your guys during the offseason? Uh, what it does is it gives them uh, confidence, gives them belief, uh, that we can play with anybody in the country. Um, you know, it, it, you know, we have an infusion of, of new players, uh, this season. Um, you know, so those guys, you know, feel like, you know, with the infusion of new guys, with the, with the how close we were, uh, in that Kansas game that, you know, we have a legitimate chance to, uh, you know, to, to be consistently good, 
uh, you know, with the with the with the strong showing the guys you know, returning. Um, but you know, it, it just makes those guys hungry. It makes those guys want to be in the gym, want to work on their games, uh, want to take the next step, like T.J. Price and George Fan has. But guys like Brandon Harris, uh, you know, made tremendous strides. Uh, you know, going to be our, our starting point guard. Um, also, guys like uh, Alex uh, Rostov. You know, in that Kansas game, he was our second leading scorer. He had a, you know, I think he had eleven or twelve points against uh, you know a good Jeff Whitney, uh who's now in the NBA. Um, but he was a freshman last year, and he's probably our most improved player from last year to this year. So, you know, building that confidence and, and seeing that they can do it against uh, a team like Kansas, and uh, you know, it has helped us a ton in this off season. And uh, you know, it, I think it's it's brightened everybody's horizons. It's opened everybody's eyes. Um, you know, we know we're gonna have to work hard. No one's gonna give us anything. But you know, if we come to work every day and get and get better every time we take the practice floor, you know, we got a chance to be pretty good. So you return four stars, but you lose a big one in Jamal Crook, a Louisville, Louisville native. Uh, and Jamal ended up like the fourth all-time leading career assist guy at Western, 12 points a game. Yeah. Uh, was kind of your all, I would say he kind of kept you all kind of steady throughout the whole season. Who takes Jamal's spot in the rotation? Yeah, uh, definitely early in the year, it's going to be uh, Brandon Harris. You know, Brandon Harris is a guy that was our third leading scorer and second leading rebounder as a – as a six-one, six-two guard uh, last year, um, he kind of steadies the ship. He, he, he. When Jamal was healthy, he was off the ball. When Jamal was hurt, he had some, uh, you know, some some practical experience there at the point. Uh, so it's not going to be like he's just thrown into the fire. Or, uh, you know, he he ran the show last year when and during the stretch of the season where Jamal Crook was hurt. Um, when Jamal was out of the game, he was, uh, you know, our point. Um, but definitely, uh, Brandon Harris will shoulder the load early. Um, there are a couple other guys, a uh, young man from Memphis, Tennessee, Peyton Halls. He's a six-five kid, but uh, you know, even with that size, he he he's probably got the the natural, most natural feel on our team for the point guard position. He's a passer by nature. You know, he we we almost uh, joke in the office about it, like we wish he would look to score more because he's a capable scorer, capable shooter. Um, but I mean, he 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 lives on the basketball court to, to throw the assist. Um, that's what he like likes to do. Likes to get other people involved. And then we got a young man that transferred um, from Butler, uh, who who spent some time in the Louisville area at Trinity uh, as well. Chris Harrison Docks. Um, he won't be eligible till December 14th, but he's another guy. Um, once he is eligible at the break, um, we know we feel confident in his abilities at the point guard spot as well. Well, you touched on two of your newcomers, but you got five more. Anybody else in that newcomer bunch uh, looking to make an impact? Good gracious, uh, Trinity Jackson, a, 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 a transfer from Texas Tech. Um, he's going to be in that conversation as, as, you know, one of our top two or three guys. Uh, you know, he's in, he's in the uh, stratosphere with TJ Price, with George Fan. He's going to be the best athlete on the court nine out of ten times we play. He's a bulldog on defense. Uh, he has changed the, the atmosphere of our team and from a competitive standpoint. Trincy uh, is a guy that's, you know, he wants to win every sprint. He wants to win every closeout drill. He wants to win every every time he's on the court, and that's been a – uh, infectious on our team. He's got a big personality as well. Um, but he's a guy that, you know, he's going to be really good for us here uh, come come uh, December 14th when he's eligible um, to play. Uh, Aaron Adegaway is a junior college transfer. He's from Carbondale, Illinois. Uh, think George Fant. Uh, he's a George Fant clone. Um, he's a big old strong, wide body, um, maybe a little bit better touch from the outside. Uh, can shoot it out to three, but he's really, really good in that painted area. He's active. He's long. Uh, you know, likes to bang down low. Um, 
So he's another guy that we're, we've been excited about. Can't wait to see him play his first action today, uh, against Campbellsville. And then the last one is a, is a guy that we're, we're all super excited about too. His name is Ben Lawson. He's a seven foot, um, young man from England. Um, I wish we could put, put some bricks in his pocket when he plays because he's only about 205 pounds right now, but he's, he's, with that being said, he's gained about 15 pounds since he's been here. Whoa. Um, but he's ultra athletic. Uh, it's so, like he's one, he's one of those guys you can sit there and watch him run all day because it's effortless. It's like he's floating up and down the court. Uh, he's a quick jumper. You know, he, he can stretch defenses out because he can really shoot it from the perimeter. Um, and as tall as Alex Rostov is, he's a, almost a head taller than him. So he, he's got legitimate size, legitimate length. Um, you know, the only thing he's lacking is, is the bulk, but he's picked up on everything so quickly. Um, he's a shot uh, changer at the rim. And, uh, you know, he, he's another guy that, you know, could sneak in that lineup and, and be really good come, uh, you know, January, uh, February time. Oh, hey, um, hey, this is a Haven from the Weekend Sports Buzz here. Uh, you guys have a, uh, a game tonight, exhibition game against Campbellsville, Kentucky. At a 3 p.m., why don't you give us kind of a preview about Campbellsville and what are some of the things that we should be looking for? Yeah, no, Campbellsville, you know, their, their starting lineup has four or five Division One transfers, and that's why we want to, you know, play this game. It's, it's a great game for us, uh, you know, to see where we're at because we know we're going to be challenged uh, tonight. Um, you know, Campbellsville always, you know, it's tough man-to-man defensive-wise. we got a, a young man that's from Bowling Green, uh, Kentucky, you know, with a lot of Kentucky guys, another Louisville guy and Miles Rice uh, as their point guard, um, who, who's a tough cu- customer in his own right. Um, so, you know, we're looking for, uh, you know, for us, we're looking to see where we are with our, uh, you know, defensively. We're looking to see, you know, different lineups, you know, where they, you know, we could possibly play Aaron and George together, you know, two six six bulls inside. We can play the two big guys together. Um, see if Peyton Holsey can play. Uh, extended minutes at the point guard spot. So this time of year, you're really looking to see, you know, what what matchups work, what lineups work. Um, see if guys, you know, are picking up things. You know, in practice, everybody knows the play, so you call them out, and guys will choose a little bit. But see if we can execute against a defense that doesn't know what play's coming, uh, you know, quite as much. And, and then also just see, you know, we finally have some depth depth for Coach Harper um, that you know we we're looking to plus more than we have in the past. So. You know, having live bodies helps you do that. Having our depth helps you do that. And, um, you know, again, just seeing where we are is the biggest thing for today. All right, Coach. Well, thanks for joining us. And like I said, we are the home of the Western Kentucky Hilltoppers game, so maybe we'll have you on more during the season. All right. Well, I appreciate it. You guys take care. All right, Coach Dave Boyden, thank you very much. Good luck to the Hilltoppers this year. And we're going to transfer right off this call, and we're going to go straight to Bellman head coach, Scotty Davenport. Coach Davenport, I apologize. I gave him your office phone number instead of your cell number. It's all on me. Yeah, there's no problem. We were actually on the floor, and then uh, players had a nice pregame meal. We're on our way to uh, Cincinnati as we speak. So we're uh, you're playing the Bearcats tonight. Is this your only exhibition game of the season? Excuse me? Is this going to be your only exhibition game against Cincinnati? Well, we're going to have a closed scrimmage. Okay. And then we're going to actually use our third one. We're allowed three. We're going to use it uh, during the Christmas break. I I'm just doing something a little different. I didn't like last year the way that we handled the break in Christmas. We're forced into one per NCAA rules. So we're going to use a live competition then as we start conference play the first weekend of um, January. Well, you got big news this week with uh, the announcement that transfer 
Donnie Hale is going to be coming to play for the Knights. What kind of impact is that going to be on your team when he's eligible in December? Well, there's there's two keys to, to this transfer. And, you know, Donnie handled this as well, and his family handled it as well, as, as and professional as anybody I've ever been around. And they were absolutely exemplary. They made a decision and, and then dotted every I, crossed every T to make it happen. Uh, and we're thrilled. Now, the second key to this, and this has been, you know, the first key was, was Donnie, you know, doing, being professional, doing his job, and he's just been, like I said, perfect. The second key to this, I've never seen a team reach out and just be more appreciative because when you take transfers, you just never know. And our guys were ecstatic when the news hit that he was coming. Uh, I was actually in an airport flying out of town, and, and we got them all together and said, hey, guys, you know, we want you to know this first, that, that he said he's coming and what a fortune. And, and you take Jake Thielen, George Suggs, uh, our primer, our inside guys, Josh Dirksen, the freshman, they, they were ecstatic just knowing that that's best for Bellarmine. And that's not always the case. You know, it's, it tends to be a little bit of a me and my generation, but they're, this is why they're special guys. Their, their reaction to Donnie was just absolutely, you know, you couldn't have scripted it any better. And that, that makes the deal even, even more exciting. He will impact our team. He's a major inside player, but he's a winner. I mean, he has won. You look at what he did at New Albany under Jim Shannon and that tremendous program. He is a winner, and, and, and it, it just it comes through in everything and the way he's handled it. Um, Coach, despite losing two of uh, the better players you had in Jelani Johnson and Chris Dow, you are preseason ranked number four in the country. Tell us a little bit about what we can expect from your team and who's going to especially take uh, the, the load that Chris Dow uh, carried last year. Who's going to carry that load? Well, we've got three three great starters back in Jake Thielen, um, Vance Hall, who's a preseason All-American. Keisha Jones is a, a four-year member of this program who's played in a national championship team, it, you know, contributed significantly. He played on the final four team. He was injured that year in the round of eight. He, he was a, a stellar player for us last year going down to that, that regional championship run. So it starts with those two guys. But, you know, Jake Thielen lost 23 pounds in the all-summer, has come back much better. George Suggs was plenty good enough to start last year. You know, you, you miss guys like Keystone or like Jelani and Chris. You, you don't miss rebounds of points. You, you miss people. We'll get people to rebound the ball and, and to score the ball and defend. But, you know, we this what's great about this program at this point is we've got a group of guys who aspire to be better. We don't have guys who want us to become them. And that's a lot of times that's the case. I mean, I know you're around guys. You see guys in all-star setting. You know, we got guys who want to beat fellas. And if we're on this right now, go to Cincinnati, you know, they're, they're jumping out of their skin just to start this process. This isn't an end-all, be-all today, just as it wasn't for, you know, Trancy last night playing Kentucky. But it's a great step in the progress. I told them last night after film, you know, at the end of the day, we could go from 10 to 12 today, bring you back at night in the evening at 6 to 8, or we could go play Cincinnati and have a, you know, and have an opportunity to get better. And that's the way we're looking at it. And, you know, you, you talk a lot about Jake Thielen, and I know you probably don't do a lot of phone calls where you talk a lot about Jake Thielen, but I always compare Jake to being kind of like your Josh Harrelson. And, you know, the guy who can kind of really control the, the four feet around the basket. He's got really good touch, looks at every 
uh, shot, missed shot as a pass to him as a chance for him to score. He really is a workhorse for you down low. And well, uh, he just a, he's a great. He's got great understanding of the game of basketball. What his biggest difference is not only in his body and losing the twenty three pounds is that he he's he's verbally became you know a real leader in our defense. And the reason your 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 fours and fives have to be leaders verbally is because the game's unfolding in front of them most of the time. If people think Kevin Garnett was a trash talker, he wasn't. He was a vocal leader in the defense of the Celtics because he's in the back line of that defense, and he let everybody know the game going on, and, and Jake embraces that idea, and that's one of the keys to our defense, as Nick Holmes was in the past in that tight position. Uh, Jake's just he's sitting on a, on a great year, and I, I couldn't be more prouder or more happy of that young man. Uh, and then a lot of people, you also mentioned Vance Hall. Vance Hall is as good as a guard as you're going to see in Division II basketball. This kid can just flat-out play, and he's really going to be the guy that uh, sets the tone for your offense for the entire year, isn't he? Well, he's just hes an absolute, the consummate competitor. Uh, you don't ever put a challenge in front of him that he doesn't take on 100%. You know, this summer, our players frequently play with a lot of the Louisville players either at our place or down at their place. And, you know, the the, uh, the amount of respect that, that a Russ Smith, that a Luke Harrell, that a Chris Jones who's new, a, a you know, those guys have for, for Vance Hall is off the charts. And the reason, because when they go to battle every day, I, I tell Rusty Troutman, he goes, well, Coach, they, 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 the respect they have for him is amazing. And I said, Rusty, and that's a great lesson because he's earned that respect with his play. And Rusty Troutman embraced that mentality and is out to earn that type of respect every day. And for a freshman to come in and say, boy, that's where I want to be, that's a great sign when that guy's already a very, very talented player. So it's been a very positive. Our relationship with those Louisville players and and that staff alone is just, you know, it's a great boost for our program. Well, and then, uh, you know, you got a legitimate chance of having the conference player of the year with Vance and possibly the freshman of the year with Rusty. So uh, it should be an exciting year in Knights Hall. Right. We're going to hold Rusty today. He, he fractured his thumb two weeks ago tomorrow. He had a little fracture in it, non-displaced. Everything's fine. And, and if we had to go today, we could. We're just doing this as a precautionary move, and he'll be back in, in action. You know, we open up two weeks from today, and, um, you know, he'll be back. It's just something you, you'd rather get it right now than, than get in Endanger it later on in the season. And that game will be at Knights Hall November 16th against Marion. Uh, of course, you know I'll be there at 8 o'clock watching the Knights, getting ready for the, se- the well, season. Let me give you a little satellite. The head coach of Marion, Todd Licklider, the former head coach at the University of Iowa and with Butler University. Oh, wow. Didn't know that. That's awesome. There you go. There you go. Coach, thanks a lot and good luck this year and good luck today at Cincinnati. Thank you, guys. All right. Take care. We're going to take a quick break and then we will be right back with John Martin from the Kentucky Heartbeat. And uh, talk a little UK basketball. You're listening to the Weekend Sports Buzz. Tell us your thoughts on the Oxmoor Ford Lincoln Buzz Line at 384 1450. 
All right, welcome back to Weekend Sports Buzz. We're going to get right into it. Mike Kandoffel here with Haven Harrington. We're joined on the phone by the legendary Mr. Ashley Scobie, John Martin of CanTellYouHeartBeat.com. What? what? What kind of introduction is this? Come on now. To focus on the legendary or the Mr. Ashley. <laughs> so, J-Mart, what's going on, my man? What? What's up, man? You know what? It's basketball. I know we're playing A-State today, but it's basketball time in the bluegrass. It is basketball time in the bluegrass for sure. A little bit of a disappointing performance last night, though, i got to admit, against Transit. Disappointing, I would say sloppy, a little lackadaisical, but let me hit you with this. I thought the same thing right after the game. Julius Randle comes out and says, listen, it's a little underreported fact that when you play these really, really small teams, they get under your foot like a house mouse. And they're just stubborn, and they, they're, they're quicker to get steals, and they're just hard to – they're kind of squirting around, squirting around like water bugs. Does, well, that make it, does, that, does, that, does that sound rational at all to you? Uh, not really, because this is still a Division three school that's got you know more <laughs> freshmen than Kentucky does, and they're totally reloading. I mean, this is what if Louisville does what they did to Kentucky Wesleyan, you would expect Kentucky Wesleyan to do to Transy what Kentucky did to Transy. So I don't know. You know, I, I, I the one bright spot to me, and Haven and I were talking about this earlier, is how well they are shooting the ball from outside, knowing how talented they are around the basket, and that to me yeah. is going to make them very yeah. unguardable. The, and you know what? We didn't shoot. What did we shoot? Like seven for twenty. We didn't shoot that great. We shot phenomenal in the blue white game, and we had a, we had some looks that literally like rimmed out. But the shooting that's that's analysts have said. Okay, this team, the Achilles Hill, might be shooting. I don't. I think we can see James Young, Derek Willis, Aaron Harrison, J. Dot Polson. Go Jared in there. He went to Jared. Um, <laughs> shooting is not going to be an issue. I think when this team is clicking. We, this is bald. We do not have flaws when this team is clicking. Well, seven wow. for tr- seven for twenty from three point range is thirty five percent, which is better than shooting fifty percent from two point range. <laughs> that, see, I'm not I'm not that great with numbers. Well, I'm you, not, I'm no Michael Michael Smith. Or I'm, I'm telling you, if you're over to me, if you're over thirty three percent from three point range, then it makes sense for you just freaking fire them up all the time. So, and and you know what, that's seven for twenty. That we're better than we're better than that statistic too. Yeah, without I mean, a doubt. Now, now James is a little cold last night. Now, from now from listening here, you said when you case clicking, you don't see any flaws at all. Not not one. No flaws. I no flaws. I don't disagree with that. Wow, really? Because no flaws. You got okay. First of all, first of all, and last night, Andrew Harrison, your 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 point guard is your offensive coordinator. He's the conductor of the symphony. Aaron has not played point guard in a really long time. He's obviously capable. He's a good ball handler, but he's still he's he's a two guard. So that throws the offense off. Who knows how many points would have put up with Andrew? You know, you can always say what if, what if, what if, but that, it makes a big difference. Well, we were so also. I, I want to go ahead. I want to hit on that too about the point guard. The point guard play. This we need to see, and Andrew. Andrew got hurt pretty pretty early in the blue white game as well. Well, and he was hurt going into the blue white game. I think to be fair, and then you yeah, still have Aaron. Sure. You had Aaron and James Young come in and playing your guards, and both, they combined for seven assists and no turnovers. You know, really, well, what, Randall's the great. turnover. Yeah, Randall's the only one who really but, turned the ball over a lot. 
And you know what? Julius Randle is allotted a few turnovers yes. with the type. He, the man, Julius Randle, I, I can't stop saying Julius Randle, Julius Randle. He is greater than the hype. Uh, I, handled, he's unreal. Yeah, I would agree. I, I, I'm not going to lie. I would agree. Court like a guard. Well, let's, let's talk about someone who's not worthy of the hype. The guy okay. who at one point was considered to be possibly the number one pick in the NBA draft. It looks like he's going to be coming back for a junior season. Alex, Alex one, the night. one freaking rebound in 20 minutes of play for a guy who's 6'9", playing against Transy. <laughs> Alex, Alexander, not the great right now. I'm not going to – I don't want to rain on him. And, like, last year, his, his um, mediocre, maybe less than mediocre play, really, like, thwarted our entire season last year. So – I don't, I'm not going to sit here and just like rain on him, but it is. I didn't think he played that bad in the blue white game. I thought he showed flashes, but he was nowhere to be seen last night. And that's against a, a small Division three school. And so this bears the question that Haven and I were talking about earlier. Mm-hmm. This team's incredibly talented. So does that allow Alex the opportunity to come out and, you know, with not as much pressure, show what he can really do and take off? You know, similar to some ways what Terrence Jones did when Gilchrist and uh, Anthony Davis came in? Or yeah. is he going to flat out disappear like he did last night? You know, that's a that's a really great point. That's something that we're all going to be looking for. Um, you hit it right on the head. I'm not going to say after, you know, one exhibition that, oh, Alex Poitras is poltergeist Poitras. He's just going to disappear and just be just not be present ever. But... It is a concern, and I think it's a warranted concern that you brought up. Um, I, I just think it's a, it's a mental issue with Alex. He, he Obviously, we all know. We see his size. We see his physical tools in flashes. It has got to be some type of over-analytical issue with Alex. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, the kid's obviously intelligent. So. I mean, he like for me, like, from the things I heard about Poitras, especially coming out of high school, was that he doesn't want to be the man. And last yeah. year, it demanded him to be the man for Kentucky to have any success. And he, yeah. and it wasn't there. It just never happened. This year, I was, you know, me and Michael kind of talking. I was thinking this may be the year that you may see more flashes of what he can actually do because the pressure's off. He can just yeah. come off the bench, be the seventh to eighth guy. And just make things happen while he's there, but it seems like that now that that's granted, like you said, it's just one exhibition game. But it seems like that isn't even kind of panning out at the moment. Yes, you would think like at least yesterday you, you hit around that again. At least yesterday, you just use your size. You know, if don't be spotting up like with Transy. I would have liked to see Alex like actually catch a ball on the perimeter, maybe make one move, a couple dribbles. Take it to the rim on Transy. You can spot up against the rest of our schedule. But on Transy, tallest player 6'6". Six, six. I mean, take it to the rim, Alex. Put somebody for on the poster of the media guide for next year. There you go. I mean, it, <laughs> exactly right. It's, I, you know. it's true, and it's, we'll see. I don't, I don't understand it. You know, the pressure is off. So it, it makes sense, like you said, that he has kind of like a free pass to just play basketball. Don't think, just play and just flow with the offense. But, you know, Alex, I guess, is a complicated bird. 
How great is it, by the way, to see a guy who was so heavily scrutinized like Derek Willis come out and yes. start the way he's yes. starting? He, Derek Willis, and I'll tell you what, like I was never on like, the let's forget about Derek Willis bandwagon, but it's kind of only, it's only natural to, that Derek gets thrown to the way south of these class. What do we have, what do we go, like two, two, four, five, the seven, eleven, fourteen, like it's only natural that Derek Willis who fell like out of the top one hundred, you kinda of forget about. Him. But there for all those out there, and you know, I don't want to see Kyle Wilcher go. I want Kyle to redshirt and pull the Jeff Shepard. Hmm. Well, I, I could I have want, seen that, but at the same time, you take basically and you know, unfairly maybe Derek Willis and Wilcher are always kind of compared. There's nothing besides and you know what? It might have been even said that Wilcher was a better three-point shooter, I guess, than Derek Willis. But right now, that's not showing true. Is there anything that Kyle Wilcher does better than Derek Willis? That is exactly my point. That is exactly my point. I was, I, Derek Willis is a tougher, quicker, more agile, um, better rebounder, better defender than Kyle Wilcher. He is Kyle Wilcher 9.0. I don't want to say 9.0. I just want to do that with the title 9.0. But... Um, <laughs> Not to get off on the AOL 6.0, 7.0, if we all remember that, dial-up. Um, but Derek Willis is flat-out better than Kyle Wilcher today. I, and I totally agree I'm with that. that. And you know what? At the Derby today, Classic, at the Derby Classic, Derek made no bones about that the reason why he chose Kentucky and chose to play against this recruiting class every day is because he feels like that was his best chance to get the NBA and this guy believes that he's an NBA player. And right now, I think he's kind of going out and showing that after three years, he might be an NBA player. It might not tell me this is Calipari. Will it take three years for Derek yeah. Willis? Well, I don't know because next year, I think he's going. Derek Willis is going to get his chance to really kind of be the star of I the mean, team. Because Cal has got guys drafted. Yeah, that never should have been drafted. Uh, DeAndre Liggins, Josh Harrelson. Yes. 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 Guys that that's never should have been drafted. That's such a great point. George, <laughs> George, and Liggins. That that is the example, the examples. Great points. Well, not only that, Derek Wills has got a better NBA body than both those guys. I mean, easy. Yeah. So you know, it's just going to be a better uh, game. It's going to be very interesting to see what happens there. So, all right. So we talked enough about Derek Willis. There's a lot of talk for you know. You know, I believe that they're probably going to have the hiccup against Michigan State. I don't see them losing anyone else. And they'll lost a little bit coming to 28. <laughs> What's that? I don't see State. You know what? Uh, you know, obviously that's go- that is the game. Number, it's going to be number one versus number two. Right. And that's Chicago, the United Center. Um, unfortunately, Kentucky heartbeat. We didn't get media credentials for it. We are heartbroken. We are demoralized. But the world, the college basketball world, is going to be tuned into that one. Yeah, I mean, especially when you got Duke and Kansas going on at the same time. It's just going to be absolutely phenomenal. And – I'm really excited about this basketball season. So, are you predicting 40 now? I'm not. Okay, here's the thing. I'm not predicting 40 now, but I, ha- I take Uh-oh. issue. Okay, and I'm not. I'll rain on Jerry Tipton and uh, the Herald Leader because he's just a negative Nancy always, the cynical Sid over there. But I don't have any issue with John Clay, Mark's story. But John Clay wrote an article that he said, get it out of your mind, 40 0 is not possible. He goes, let's talk about this now. Because it's not going to happen. Uh, let's get out of our mind. It's not possible. Not with this team. He goes, not with this team, not with this coach, not this day and age in college basketball. I don't even care about 40 I guess is my point. I care about number nine. 
I, I'm with you. Obviously, that is the goal. And I don't think anyone with any form of rationality is saying, if you don't hit 40, no, it's a disappointment. All I am saying is that it is possible. And let's, let's play for it. Let's not lose a game on purpose just to have some team building and learning lessons. I got you, man. <laughs> All right, J-Mart, we'll have you on again during the basketball season. I appreciate you coming on. Make sure you go to KentuckyHeartBeat.com for all your Kentucky basketball and football uh, news and It's still stories. football season. It, it is still football. Can't shortchange football season. All right, J-Mart, thank you very much. We'll talk to you thank soon. Thank you. You all t- take care. Thanks for letting me uh, come on, talk hoops, catch by 90. Take care, guys. All right. We will be right back on the Weekend Sports Buzz. You're listening to the Weekend Sports Buzz. Tell us your thoughts on the Oxmoor Fort Lincoln Buzz Line at 384-1450. Welcome to the Weekend Sports Buzz. Haven's in here banging his head, loving some, uh, man, some pour some sugar on me, some Def Leppard. He's man, doing some one-hair drummer. I love hair metal, man. I'm telling you. Maybe it's, you know what? Maybe growing up, spending my, my early childhood going to Stone Street Elementary in St. Dennis. I don't know what it is, but I love hair metal. There you go, man. There you go. So we are, uh, we're joined now by InsideTheVille.com, the man in the know for Louisville Athletics, the great Mr. One Mike himself. Hughes. Mike, you there? I am here. How's it going, guys? It's going great, man. It's, it's going, going pretty good. going pretty good. Are you enjoying your football day off? Yeah, I am. It's a beautiful day here in Louisville. Yeah, it's, it is a nice day. Good deal, good deal. Wait, well, hey, Mike, I... I Couple of quick questions for you here about about Louisville basketball because it is you know basketball season just around the corner. Uh, I was like everybody else here. I'm a diehard Cardinal fan. I watched the, uh, the exhibition game there with Kentucky Wesleyan. Noticed the eight trillion fouls that, that were called in the first three seconds of the game, and uh, just kind of want your thoughts there. Would this make Russ Smith pretty much unguardable this college basketball season? I mean, as if he wasn't already, right? I know. And now you can't touch them. Um, I mean, you can't you can't hand check them. You're like, good lord. You know, it's good. It's going to be interesting to see how this all plays out because obviously, early in the season, there's an emphasis on on calling any time a, a defender puts his hands or touches or you know even gets close. It seems like you know the other night they were blowing the whistle. So it's going to be interesting to see exactly how this translates as we move forward in the season. I mean, there's I just have a hard time believing you're going to you're going to have a situation where you're going to have, you know, two-and-a-half-hour basketball games. I mean, uh, if you watched the other night, that, that Kentucky Wesleyan game, I mean, that was just an absolutely brutal first half with all the fouls. And um, and I understand what they're trying to do. They're trying to open up the game a little more and, you know, get a little more of a high-scoring game. And, and I think that's all good and well, but I, I'm not sure it's going to, you know, I'm not sure they're going to call it that tight the entire season, but uh, clearly when you talk about Russ Smith, I mean, if you're not allowed to, to check him or to, to keep him from, from making his cuts, I mean, he's, he is virtually unguardable because he's so quick and he's so shifty, and you know, he, can get up, he can get a shot up anytime you want. So I think certainly the, the new emphasis on the rule plays into Russ Smith's hands. Well, not even Russ Smith, but Terry Rozier and Chris Jones. I mean, those guys – if you if you can't stay in front of Terry Rozier and hand check him, he's going to get to the rack almost any time he wants. Yeah, I mean, you, you know the way I think about Patino's guards, 
you know, I think Peyton Siebel was the best point guard he's had at Louisville. I think Russ Smith is the, the most dynamic scorer. Um, you know, I think, uh, I think Tyquan Dean was probably his best pure shooter. I think Terry Rozier, when it's all said and done, could be Rick Pitino's best all-around guard. I mean, this guy, um, he, you know, he can stuff the stat sheet. I mean, he gets rebounds. He can hit outside shots. He can penetrate and score. Um, he's got really good court vision, and the thing I like about him is, you know, he he's pretty long. He's he's not the tallest guard in the world, but he's pretty long, and he always plays with his eyes up. I think he's got really good court vision, and he seems more mature than his age. And I think, you know, a lot of people talk about Chris Jones. I think Terry Rozier is the best guard uh, in this recruiting class. I think he's the best player that Louisville brought in, and. Uh, I don't think he's going to be at Louisville too long. I think maybe he's a two-year guy, but he, he's incredibly talented, and I love to watch him play. And I think you know, he's he's going to be a guy that's going to be hard to keep off the floor because he does so many things well. You know, from a defensive standpoint, from being able to help on the boards, uh, to being able to involve people and score the basketball. So uh, I, I'm really excited about uh, you know having Terry Rozier in a backcourt rotation with Chris Jones and and Russ Smith, and, you know, hopefully Kevin Ware can get back to, to the form that he was, you know, before he got hurt. And if you talk about those four guards, I don't think there's a better backcourt in college basketball with, with those three or four guards. Good deal, good deal. Now, you know, to start the season, we saw that Van Trees got to start at center, but as the season progresses, how do you see the center position for Louisville kind of playing out there? Yeah, I think it. I, I think it all depends on Shane Behannon, and once he gets back from his suspension, I think you're going to see Montrez Harrell playing a lot of minutes at the five. Um, I just don't think you can have Montrez Harrell and Shane Behannon sitting on the bench, and I don't think that's, you know, I don't think that's going to happen. So what I what I think is going to happen as we as we move forward, I think Shane gets, you know, bulk minutes at the four. I think Montrez gets bulk minutes at the five, and. Um, the guy that I'm interested to see how fast he can develop is Mango Mathiang. Um, he's got he's got more of a traditional skill set in the five. I think the key is is he strong enough to to hold position and play position defense at that five spot uh, and, and rebound that position. If he can do those things, I think Louisville's going to be all right at the five spot. The other thing I guess we haven't talked about is you know obviously we got those guards that can attack the rim. But then they got guys like Anton Gill and Luke Hancock to dish it out to you. The inside-out threat, or and I think Loyal's going to really play outside-in with the penetration you know, coming off the dribble. But they got two really good shooters that they can pass the ball out to you to, to knock down an open three. Yeah, I mean, you know, I, I don't know if this is going to be a, a shooting team, the, the caliber of the 05 Final Four group, but I think there's enough shooters. I mean, clearly Luke Hancock, once he gets back in the lineup, uh, you know he's he's a proven shot maker from from distance. I think Wayne Blackshear is capable of knocking down the shot. I think Ter, uh, Terry Rozier, Chris Jones, Russ Smith, all those guys can make shots. Um, you, you know, clearly Anton Gill can knock it down from the corner. The the question is where do his where do his minutes come from? Especially when Luke Hancock returns. Where returns? Um, Kevin Ware if he's if he's able to. You know where where does Anton Gill's minutes come from? But you know you're right. There there are enough shooters on this team. I I don't think shooting was a problem last year, and I don't think it's going to be a problem this year. Wayne Blackshear is kind of like Kentucky's Alex Poitras. That it's kind of the disappointing guy. Of course, he's been banged up, 
are we going to see, you know, this is a very talented Louisville team. Are we going to see the Wayne Blackshear that everyone expected to see this year, or is he going to kind of disappear? You know, I think, I think you just need to see an aggressive Wayne Blackshear. I think you need to see... I think you need to see this guy attacking the basket. I think you need to see this guy making plays in transition. I think you need to see this guy rebounding the ball. And um, you know, I don't know. The jury's out. Um, I think he's in. I think he's probably in the best shape that he's been in. Uh, I, I think his shoulders is now healed. I think he's. Uh, you know, obviously he got the experience last year. So in my mind, it's now or never. And I, I think he's ready for a. You know, to have the kind of season that more closely resembles what what the expectations were coming out of high school, and and, and clearly, I think uh, I think he's gonna he's gonna have to step out his game, step up his game. When you talk about you know Gorgie Zhang out of the lineup and, and replacing Peyton Siva, but um, yeah, I mean he's a key guy. But you know, I don't worry about that three spot because you've got you've got two guys there who are proven. You've got Blackshear and. And Luke Hancock, when he comes back from the ankle injury, so I think you're okay at the three. I, in my mind, the biggest question always has been the five, and and I'm not overly concerned about that because you know we talked about it. You've got you've got a guy like Montrez Harrell, who I think is one of the top front court guys in America, and you know I think I think uh, Mango Mathieng is going to develop into a, into a reliable contributor at that spot. Now Montrez Harrell, he's I expect him to have just like one of the best seasons ever because I, I watched him play during the summer and the way he has elevated his game has just been unreal. I mean, he was, he was really good last year, but I think he's going to take his game literally up about two or three notches this year. Yeah. I mean, I, I think he's expanded his arsenal and you know, if, if you watch those, uh, if you watch those under 19 games in Europe that he played, he played a lot of five. He played in the high post. Um, he made some passes in that tournament from the high post. He he knocked down some mid range shots. He was absolutely unbelievable in the championship game against Serbia. Uh, I think he, if my memory serves, he was the leading scorer and rebounder in that game. Blocked about four or five shots, and uh, you know I think we saw flashes uh, of that expanded game in in those scrimmages in those three red white scrimmages. We saw him put the ball on the floor a little bit, which we didn't see last year. We saw him make the turnaround jump shot. So if he's got that in his arsenal consistently, I you know I, I don't know that there I don't know that he can be guarded. And when you when you talk about having a guy like that in the front court to go with a guy like Russ Smith, who you know you can't guard in the back court, um, you know Louisville's going to be tough. Any chance we see Luke or Kevin play against Pikeville on Tuesday? Luke or Kevin play against Pikeville? I would be surprised. Okay, when do we? When do you think Shane Mahanan gets reinstated? You know, I don't know. It's an interesting question. I, I hope, I hope before they play North Carolina, but I don't know if that's Rick Pitino's timetable or not. I'm not sure anybody knows, mm-hmm. uh, including Shane Mahanan. So, you know, it's encouraging that. Uh, I, I think it's pretty clear he's going to be back on the team. I think the, the the recent reports from from Pitino are encouraging and. Uh, I, I think Shane Behan is going to get his act together and get back in that lineup probably sooner than sooner than later. Do you think? You now, this is that you know interesting topic for me. Does does Louisville have a better chance to go undefeated than Kentucky? Does the winner? I mean, obviously it hinges on who wins that game. But in some ways, does Louisville have an easier chance to go undefeated than Kentucky? No, look, Louisville's not going to 
Louisville's not going to go undefeated, and neither is Kentucky. I mean, that, that talk is absolutely silliness. Uh, I, I, there I hasn't been that, an undefeated team in college basketball since uh, the 76 Indiana Hoosiers. I mean, if, uh, if Kentucky's 96 team couldn't go undefeated, if, if Jerry Tarkanian's, uh, you know, his great running Rebel teams in the early 90s, if they couldn't go undefeated, uh, I don't think you're going to see that happen. So, no, I mean, co- there's too much parity in college basketball. There's too much uh, flux with rosters. You know, Louisville's schedule, it, it's not what what we're used to seeing, but you still got to play Carolina. you still got to go to Kentucky. You've got two games against Memphis, two games against Connecticut, two games against Cincinnati. So, And then you can't sleep uh, on and, someone like SMU. you're talking about postseason. Yeah. Yeah, I mean it's it's. I don't see. I don't. I don't. Th- I don't even think it's. I don't think it's. It's worthy of even talking about for, for either team. I, I mean, both teams are going to lose games, and you know, I didn't get to see a lot of Kentucky last night, but they're they're so young. I mean, their their most experienced guys are are two sophomores who, you know, were key cogs in an NIT team that lost to Robert Morris. So, I don't. You know, Julius Randle's a heck of a player. Um, the Harrison twins are, you know, they're, they're, they're good talent. So is James Young. But, you know, these guys are freshmen. They're going to take some lumps. They're going to lose some games. And, um, you know, Louisville is too. Yeah, I would agree with that. And I guess my last question would be, you know, we talked about kind of like the, the, the main starters, the main guys for UofL, but is there any other player that we should be looking at that we haven't talked about so far that may surprise maybe Cardinal fans? Yeah, no, I mean, I don't know. You've got – you know, I don't think there's a lot of surprises here because, you know, in my mind what makes Louisville a, a contender this year again is they returned seven of nine, seven of their nine top guys from a, from a championship team. So I think that's what Louisville's got going for them. They've got, you know, known commodities, so to speak. And Not only seven out of nine, but the one, you, the one guard they lost, they're probably better at that position, replacing them with a couple guys. You know, Siva might be – better than all those guys, but you were replacing them with a couple guys. They're probably better at that position, deeper, than they They're were. Cert- they are certainly deeper now. I think Peyton Siva was was one of the best guards in, in Louisville basketball history, and that's a pretty pretty rich tradition we're talking about. And I think he's going to have a long pro career. And, you know, the, the, guy, the guy made it look easy on both ends. You know, he was, he was kind of the – he was the key cog in my mind that made Louisville go on both ends. So I don't think he's as easily replaced as, as a lot of people think. Uh, I mean, his, uh, you know, his intangible leadership, uh, his experience, he was just, he commanded the ball. I mean, you, you look at that national championship game and, who, you know, who was the best guard on the court that night? Right. No, definitely. Well, hey, Mike, I appreciate I mean, I, I think Peyton, I think Peyton Siva took over the game and you're talking about, you know, he was matched up against the National Player of the Year in college basketball in a first-round draft pick in, in Trey Burke. So um, yeah, that's, that's not easily replaced, but I get your point. I mean, when you talk about Chris Jones and Terry Rozier, you certainly have talent at that position, uh, and you probably do get a little bit deeper. So that's, you know, the, I think that's the reason why you don't worry about losing Peyton Siva as much as you do about replacing Gorgie James. That's right. All right, that's the end of our show, Mike. I appreciate you coming on. It's going to be a great basketball season. We're looking forward to it. Stay tuned in to 1450 on Saturday mornings, and we'll talk about it the entire season. Take care. We will see you next week. Peace.